You are now tuned into Reppin' Sessions Podcast. Exclusive interviews with White Oak Roughneck Legends. Follow on Instagram and Facebook. Reppin' the Roughnecks. Episode 2, Reppin' Sessions Podcast. We got the legendary 1971 graduate, Mr. James Marcus Oliver. Number 73 for the 1970 semifinalist team. They went 13 and 1 in 1970. Uh, got beat by Pflugerville in the semifinals. So, Mr. Oliver, welcome to Reppin' Sessions Podcast. Uh, great to have you here. It's, it's great to be here. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I uh, posted the episode one, and James was the first man to respond about it. So. When he told me uh, his dad was uh, one of the, the, the fellas that Coach Miles talked about, I said, this guy has to get on. We need him on. Uh, I'm not going to wait for the building to get done. So how was it playing on that 70 team, man? It was wonderful. Uh, a lot of closeness, and uh, the seniors were real close, and uh, we all got along real well. And, in fact, it had really all started back when we were in the ninth grade. We uh, – all worked together real hard, and uh, we won district. And Coach Mike Crossland had told us when we were in the eighth grade in the spring that the district coaches in junior high said that Halsell was going to win. And of course, we all just worked real hard and vowed that we would, uh, you know, we would win. And I, I wanted to say something about the coaches back then, Coach Mike Crossland and Coach Jimmy Johns. Um, they were had a lot to do with the building of the program, you know, as as you go on. And, and that went on back, you trace that on back to Emil Hanikak, the basketball coach. He's the one who uh, got the boys ready. And then Bob Perry helped him until he got out to be a shop teacher and later on counselor. And, uh, you know, those, those guys uh, did a wonderful job. Just like today, one of my very good friends at Gladewater, Scott Clower, he coached at Longview at Foster, and he had those boys ready, and he has them ready at uh, Gladewater, along with uh, Derek Floyd. Of course, Mr. Floyd's now principal to high school. He's not involved, but uh, Scott Clower reminds me a lot of all these junior high coaches that I had, the way he operates and works. Let me get into what Coach Miles talked about. Um, talked about your dad being one of the biggest supporters in town. Said roll, what is it? Roll, roughnecks roll. Turn them loose. Turn cotton. them loose. There we go. Turn them loose, cotton, and let them roll. <laughs> roll, roughnecks. Yeah, he said he could. You could hear them all. Roll, roughnecks roll. You can hear them all over the community. What do you remember most about the playoffs, the '70 team? Like, what sticks out in your head about that season? That well, the fact that uh, we won 13 games was was real memorable. Yeah. And, um, you know, and just. It, it we kept going and of course week after week you know some weeks we would really be going and some we wouldn't and you know it's like who we were playing you know you get up for one school bigger uh, better than you do another and I and I really some of the things I don't I don't want to talk about because I want to talk about when I have my Buddies yes, uh, here in about a week or two. Absolutely. And, yeah, in episode three, we're going to have, uh, I think you said eight or nine of the guys. I know Danny Denton's going to be here. Ronnie Perry's going to be here. Um, 
Winford Wilburn has said he would be here. Ronnie Screws McOlin will be here. Um, Bobby Hawthorne will be here. Charles Squeaky Smith will be here. And I hope I haven't left any of the fellas out, but I will. Talking about about that uh, three-year run, really, from the time sophomores on, Danny Denton, Winford Wilburn, Joe Stevens, and Buddy Coker played as sophomores. They didn't start, but they contributed a lot to the team, and then they all started when they were juniors. And then Ronnie Perry, and uh, I think he started when he was a junior. Right. What year did you start on varsity? What year? I didn't start till till I was a senior. senior. I had uh, um, an operation right before the start of my sophomore year, and you know, and I had some other problems when I was a junior, and I just uh, I didn't. You know, I was out there, but I didn't really. Couldn't go 100%. Yeah. So what was it like growing up in White Oak in the city? Uh, you're talking about cotton. Uh, we were sitting, my granddaddy lived right across the street from it. And then, of course, you got the Roughneck there now, the grocery store. And he had uh, uh, pea fill and um, potatoes and all that. But uh, it was a cold January day, and we sat there and, sit there with grandmother and granddaddy and my mother and sit there, watched the van load up uh, for Cotton to leave and go to Dallas. Uh, real sad. Yeah, I could imagine him leaving. Who was your role model? Who'd you look up to that was a previous graduate football player in White Oak? Is there anybody in particular that stuck mm. out to you that you just were a diehard fan? You, you, I like Randy Brand a lot. Randy Brand. Randy was on the uh, 62s. I, I won't get this right. 62, 63, 64 team. Okay. Of course, yeah. I was real, real little when uh, Roy Bruce died, and I've always Jerry Davis. I've always looked up to Jerry Davis. Uh huh. So, um, Roy Bruce. Jerry Davis, all those guys. Did do you remember um, Bob White? Bob White. Do you remember the, when they won state? Were you? I was there. That? You I, were there. I was young enough, and I think that we went out. We went out to the sidelines in the fourth quarter. I I think all this happened. Roy Bruce got loose in the fourth quarter, and we tied the game. I believe. Now I don't want to make. Do you remember the run at all? Do you remember? No, saying, no, you no, I don't. Too I was too, but we were down on the field because my daddy said, "Well, we'll go down and tell him I we had a good year and everything." And then we ended up tying. And of course, Cotton Miles flipped and got the football. And uh -huh. the football is that white football down here. This is. Uh, is it in the field house? Yeah, it's yeah. in a trophy case down there. And all the the trophies that time period, I believe, and on up in the seventies, are down there. Yeah. The whole miles thing. I know your dad was a big supporter. He talked about that. Yes. Um, did your dad? Do you were you old enough to remember your dad ever talking about that situation that Cotton oh, talked about? Yeah. It over and over and over and over. So what? What do you think uh, flipped? Do you think that boat ride changed everything? And it must have. <laughs> I didn't know nothing that, that I always thought that uh, he always told me how great Willa Nose and Cotton Miles were. Uh -huh. And Lee Mitchell, I mean, he, he liked them all, but uh, he always liked Cotton. You yes. know, and, uh, you know, I, I, my mother never said nothing about it, even, uh, even after uh, my daddy had passed away. She mm -hmm. never, never said nothing about it. I never knew that... Uh, 
that he did it, but I imagine it was when White Oak went five and five. I bet that's that's what it yeah, was. Yeah, that's what he said, and okay. I asked him, I said, well, what caused him to uh, want to go knock on people's doors? He said, I went five and five that year. <laughs> and I said, well, heck, that times have changed. You know what I, I told, and, and I don't care if somebody gets mad, but I've told some people that if my daddy was here, had been here from about 1977 on, uh-huh. a lot of people would have caught it. I would have gone around and said, now daddy, come on, let's, yeah. let's go. Dad didn't care, he was outspoken, huh? That's, he was very outspoken. Yeah, you know, um, great history, the 1970 team. Y'all, y'all, will, y'all will probably say it's the, one of the greatest teams in White Oak. Um, now the 13 team, I've noticed online, they, they, they claim that they're the the best well, team in White Oak. But the only argument I can give them uh, is they didn't win district. That. They were they, they were won district that year. They were a playoff team. Uh-huh. If if they had been and you know, if it had been back in nineteen seventy, you can go back and look, ARP in sixty nine, seventy and seventy one went ninety one, ninety one, ninety one. Wow. They lost three games to White Oak, didn't make the playoffs. Wow. Of course today they would be the number two, you know, they would have been number two. And also I can I can uh, say that uh, they lost two games, we didn't lose but one. So, yeah. you know, uh, but it's... Different you know, era, I'm, different time. I'm go- yeah, <laughs> different style offense. And, yeah. I, and I can tell you, I would have loved to have seen Winford Wilburn, Bobby Hawthorne, Miles Pruitt, and uh, Buddy Coker playing tight end, running running patterns with Mike Barber throwing the ball to him. That yes, would have sir. been that would have been a real good uh, situation like we have like they do now. Now they were they did have a great ball team and I did go and I did support them and I, I was going to say did you go to that semifinals game? I, I did go yes, to sir. the semifinals. That was the last game up at um, Allen mm-hmm. before they you know closed it down and re- redid it i did and they did have a real good ball team and you know i'm not going to sit here and argue with anybody but i i will say 57 58 60 63 68 69 70 possibly 71 and then that one uh, i mean you know 68 69 70 were great years. I don't. I mean, I don't think you you we've ever had four years where we went real deep in the playoffs like we did then. Once to semifinals and three to quarterfinals, three times to quarterfinals. So what was it like playing with Barber? Now that he went on, y'all got to play with the NFL quarterback at the time and went on to be a tight end. Y'all was he a star back then? Yeah, he was. He was. Well, he wasn't as big of a star on my team because we had some stars. We had uh, Winford and Joe. And Doesn't Winford still own the record for the most points scored in a, in a, oh, scene, I, in a career? Oh, I don't know. Don't he, know. he could. Yeah. Uh, Winford, see, went on to Louisiana Tech and played defensive back and returned punts. Oh. He tried out for the Oilers and he didn't make it, but Winford was, was real good and, uh, of course, uh, the Eddie Guest, the sports writer, called him Winford Whirl Away. Will yeah, I saw that and, in uh, uh, Joe Lee Smith's and, book. That and, was his uh, nickname. Yeah, and and Jolt and Joe uh, Stevens. I mean, they were a tandem. Now Winford got hurt once or twice during during our senior year, and uh, but I tell you what, uh, who was faster, him or Joe Stevens? 
don't get made like say Winford probably Winford. was yeah well on Smokey um, they do have it that he is the all time points leader in White Oak so I don't know if that still holds or not so but uh, you want to go back and and just work through the years some of these ball teams I've talked about yeah okay yeah absolutely well, fifty eight. When you, when you don't have four or five boys graduating, you know you're going to be loaded. And they were loaded. And um, that was the year they got disqualified, right? right? Yeah. And everything Cotton said about it was correct. Jeez. And uh, then in 1960, the next year, Russell White was a junior. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think Russell got hurt during the year and missed uh, a few games. But anyway, we didn't win district. And then the next year, uh, we won district, and they went to semifinals. And I'm going to tell you why they're not 13. And uh, there were 12, 1, and 1. And I'm fixing to tell you why they wasn't. Yeah. Well, you had, first of all, I want to talk about some of, the, some of the people on that team. Yeah. Tommy Arms, Russell, Bobby Hodges was a great center, uh, James King. Play quarterback, Tommy Hornsby. Tommy Hornsby played quarterback some, and they kind of all swapped around. Ronnie Ramblin, Pat Stites, uh, Rayburn Madlin. I'm trying. I don't want to leave anybody out because <laughs> I know how I know how it is to get left out. So anyway, that's that's a few of them on that ball team that uh, they were good. Well, they were rolling along. And I've heard Tommy Arms tell the story. They went down to New London. It was still New London, not West Rust. And they played New London. But that night, they had a girl that was either sick with leukemia or had died. And New London was fired up. Mm. And we ended up uh, tying six to six. And then I don't think that was one of New London's better teams as far as a good team because we ended up winning the district mm-hmm. and I remember James King I think scored on a running I think he was running around right in I was up up in the stands a lot of this stuff happened in New London that I'm talking about so uh, then you know they went on they got in the playoffs and they were doing real good they played Shelbyville up here at White Oak I guess that's probably the last time White Oak played a playoff game in White Oak, in regional. Wow. It, it was in 1960, and we beat them. Then uh, we played Clifton in quarterfinals over in Athens, and everything was rolling along to the last quarter, and we were ahead a couple touchdowns, and Russell White limps off. And so he had to get treatment that week, and I don't think he was ready to go that uh Saturday night. The game was on Saturday night. That's one I didn't go to. Uh-huh. My grandmother, Oliver, was real sick. She had cancer, and we didn't know how long she was going to live. She lived on into January. We didn't go. It was a Saturday night, and uh, it was on the radio, and we listened to it. And Russell didn't play. He went out, I think, for the flip, and all that. He was a captain. Long, probably, I don't know who all. I know Tommy Arms was the cap- captain. But uh, we gave them Crosby as who they played, a good shot, and we got beat 14 to six, I believe. And uh, that was that. Then the next year, we didn't have a real good ball team. 
you know, we just, that was just one of those, I think they were four, five, and one, something like that. Then the next year, you had Ben Brent was a senior. That's Randy's older brother. He's okay. a big old tall guy. What position did he play? He played split in. So they're rolling along there the first game or two, and they're not playing that well. And so I don't know what happened. Maybe you can get Ben Brent over here to talk <laughs> yeah, real well. Shout out to Randy. He told me, uh, he said, I'm going to let everyone, someone else do the podcast. My memory ain't Randy said, don't want to do it? Uh, oh, I, I, but I'll tell you what. He, he ought to be ashamed. He <laughs> ought to get over here. I'll talk to him. So if you're hearing this, Randy, you're wanted on the podcast. Anyway, so, uh, so we're... Uh, you know, things are kind of picking up. New London is the number one team in the state. And so we go down there and play them. It's nothing to nothing right before the half. So we're sitting up there in the stands and I said, Daddy, I think I'm gonna go down to the concession stand before the half and get me a coat. So I come out of the stands and I go around this way, the end zone, and it had been raining that night. I'm going to thin Ben on this. So Randy throws a pass to him, and it's right on Ben Brent's fingertips, and it goes on in the end zone. And up at the cafe, up here at the Circle W, in the 70s and the 80s, they gave Ben Fitz about not catching that ball. But I really don't think he could have caught it, because I think the ball was wet and the way it was. And he was asking me about it, and I said, Ben, I know. Because I was on my way to the concession stand. I was closer to you than anybody, any fan, and I saw it. But I, I teased Ben about it. But anyway, yeah, and then uh, New London scored in the fourth quarter and beat us six to nothing. Hmm. We went on and won the rest of the game. We were seven and three. So guess what? Ben graduates, and a few more that was in that class. Let me see if I can, if I got my right sheet here. Yeah, um, uh, Thomas Grant, Gary Boss, Barney Barrett, Steve Klein, James Sharp, Glenn Skelton, they were all, all in, that, in that class, and they're, they're gone. So the next year, you had Terry Barber, that's Mike's older brother, one of his older brothers, he had two older brothers, Sonny Blue, Johnny Boss, Kenneth Doody, Ronnie, Ronnie McKinney, Butch Drake, Randall Smith, Joe Mike McKinney, Butch Domain, Jody Hilliard, Randy Brent, um, James McKelvey, Wayne Heron, George Lord, Lloyd, Jimmy Owens, James Donald, Smiley Owens, Larry Hare, Jerry Silvertooth, and uh, David Silvertooth, Danny Lander, Ray Alford, Truman Meisner, Bobby Sigmund, Doug Taylor, Cindy McLean, Ray Alford, John McMillan, he had a younger brother that would, would play later. David Martin, Joe Derwin, Tommy Joe Tuttle, and Danny Leonard. And uh, so New London is picked to win state again. And everybody put their money and circle on that October night. We're going to play up here. Oh. All right. So we start the season, we're winning. We're slowly creeping up in the polls, and New London's winning. So, along about that time, New London plays Hallsville in Hallsville. Hallsville upsets them 13 to 12. So it took a little bit of the luster 
off of this ball game that was going to happen down here. So we get down here. Uh, Bailey Marshall was an exceptional coach. You know, he had been uh, Cotton Miles' assistant. And the way they did things was uh, they usually promoted the assistant on up. Bailey, Coach Marshall had done a great job. You know, he, he wasn't coach but five years, but he did a great job uh, bringing these these people along, and then he had a fantastic ball team. So, at the beginning of the year, every Sunday afternoon, he would turn the projector on and show the last ball game. Well, I got to watch him, and they wore, Gladewater and New London played, and New London beat them six to nothing. And Gladewater, I mean, uh, Sid Brat, Billy Sid, William Sid Bratton, who graduated in the 50s, he was coaching, I don't know, at Sabine or at, at Judson or somewhere, thinking junior high. I'm telling this for a reason, because he becomes our offensive line coach when I'm a senior. I sit there, and I don't even think Coach Griffin knows this, but I sat there, and I would watch Coach Bratton. Of course, we call him Billy Sid because, you know, then we didn't, he wasn't up here or anything. So... He would sit there and study and study and study this film. And then he would study White Oak when they played. And then, boy, when he was named coach up here, I said to myself, a light went off. That's why that man was sitting there every Sunday afternoon studying that film. And he was a good, he was a good history and, and um, uh, civics government teacher. I mean, he wasn't like one of these like, you know, we just football coach, we're throwing you in a history class. He knew what he was talking about. He was a good coach too. and But he sat there and he studied all this time. And I wanted to bring out Butch Drake. Butch Drake was a little small guy, about five, six, and I think he played, I don't know if he, he played quarterback or monster, but the night that White Oak, well White Oak, let me go on and say White Oak beats New London, 31-14. Terry, Terry Barber had been throwing a halfback pass, Ronnie McKinney, and uh, also to uh, Danny Lander all year. So we roll on, and it gets down to the end of the year. We have two games left. White Oak plays, uh, we're going to play over at uh, Hallsville, and that's for everything. They're, I guess, 7 or 8 no, and we're 8 no. But I need to back up and say one more side note on the New London ball game. Van Thomas... And all the old-timers will remember Van Thomas. He didn't like White Oak very much at that time. He was complaining. He said there wasn't enough space in the press box. So Reggie Reynolds, his daddy has the lumber company. And Butch Drake, and I don't know if Randall Smith was in on it, goes down and, and uh, they built this little outhouse-looking thing and put it on the visitor side, and it said reserved for Van Thomas. Well, myself and Ronnie Perry, we're at fifth grade, we were at recess, and I said, Ronnie, look down at that thing on the visitor side. And of course, that night when we went, it was gone. And so, two or three, I think it was a year before COVID, we were up there in the stands, and somebody was talking about a press box, and I said, Reggie, what about that press box that was on the other side? And he started trying to lay it off on Butch Drake. Butch Drake had worked a lot in the furniture store for my daddy. He was a real, real kind, nice young man. 
So, but anyway, they had Bailey Marshall made them take it down. So they didn't even get to use it. Van didn't get on. They I don't even think they took a picture of it. But anyway, the next year they enlarged the press box and. Uh, was the visitor side still like how it is today? The uh, tracks behind the, the bleachers? The track wasn't here. Oh, it wasn't? The track was not here until 66 or 7. I was, in the eight, I was in the eighth grade, I think, when they built the track. I remember we were in the eighth grade, and uh, Buddy Coker went out for a pass, and somebody threw it. It was a grass text track, and they had put a layer on it. And uh, he ran into it and slid on that grass text and got, it was kind of an asphalt looking stuff. Got it all over him. I know he'll remember that. I'll bring that about. And I've got some, I, I've got some stories, you know. I, I bet. You know, but then the Hallsville game ended up nothing to nothing. You've looked at the records on that and they agreed, I think, I don't know. But that, uh, it wasn't going to be settled by penetrations. It was going to be settled by a flip. White Oak played Judson the next week, and Hallsville um, played Hawkins. And, of course, White Oak and Hawkins. I mean, White Oak and Hallsville won, and I had Matt's in Longview, and they flipped and uh, lost the flip of the mm -hmm. coin. And then Hallsville uh, went to semifinals and got beat out. And uh, about, three or four, about three or four years there, they did come to life. They they uh, beat us in the fifties once. I think they, I know they beat us in '65, and then they beat us in the seventies once. We played. Uh, that's another story. Uh, Fielding Houston scheduled a game. He was at Hustle. He said he wanted to beat White Oak, and then lo and behold, Coach Griffin leaves and goes to Bridge City, and Houston comes to White Oak, and he says, "Well, I guess I'll never get to beat White Oak." because he's a coach over here for two years. He was a fine gentleman. And he made the statement about Winford and Joe. He says, if there had just been one of them, I could have handled them. But two, I couldn't handle. Because see, we beat them four years in a row. Beat them my sophomore year, my junior year, and my senior year in the regional. But then we beat them in just a regular game. Uh, oh, I want to say, and, uh, 1965, Randy Brennan and them came back, and Hallsville had to come over here, and Joe Mike McKinney switched from line to uh, fullback. Doug Sanford was the coach then. Tommy Atkins, that was his first year, and uh, we won district. We beat uh, beat Hallsville uh, uh, over here, 40 to six. But going back to Butch Drake, the Sunday after that ball game, White Oak and Hallsville. My daddy was talking to Bailey Marshall. Bailey Marshall told him, says, uh, you know, that, that Malone boy who was running back, says, Butch Drake just laid him out. I mean, he tackled him and knocked him out of the ball. And, and, and then that coach told Coach Marshall that, it, you know, he was, his eyes were, yeah, and then he went back in. But, but Butch, Butch laid a hit on him that night. And, um, I can tell one story on me. I was out there, we, everybody was holding dummies, and I didn't know I wasn't supposed to let go, and Jerry Silver, not Jerry, but David Silvertooth, uh, floored me. Marshall picked me up and drove me over, and I was seeing stars, and he told me when I woke up, he says, I thought I was gonna have to go get the smelling sauce. And then, uh, I don't know, for some reason, my, my mother was a beauty shop operator. She came down to the field, and then he, 
walked out there and he told her what happened. And I, I thought that was real nice of him to take time because I was all right. But that's the first time I've ever been out. Oh. And I never was knocked out in the in, in the, the game or anything. Yeah. Okay. What? One more thing. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I want to say because uh, I know you're going to ask me who was the toughest person I ever. The, uh, went up and practice any time, and it was Joe Gentry who was a, who was a uh, defensive lineman and also a center on the 1969 team. Joe was just as tough as he could be, and I, I don't think there was anyone that I went one on one with that was any tough. Okay, now go back to college. We've talked about it off camera before, you know, um, the whole situation why Cotton left. And, uh, you know, it's not really mentioned a lot. Not a lot of people know about the story. So, being your Mr. Roughneck, you've been around the whole community for a long time. Um, can we get into that? You want to kind of talk about why Cotton left? Uh, Cotton left. Because he mentioned there was a split in the community. Split. Was, well, I think we there had been one person mm-hmm. who had been el- ineligible earlier in the 50s. And then this comes along, mm-hmm. and that, you know, that burned him up because, you know, you're looking at two state championships in a row. Yeah. And you're looking at one and, and you know, that and, uh, you know, he knew he knew he could go anywhere and coach. He knew he could he could do the job and he did the job at Woodrow Wilson and he did the job at Skyline. But, yeah, everything he said, there was a split in the community. And, uh, you know, there was people that wouldn't speak to people for years in this community. Mm. And there were animosities, and uh, you know, that's unfortunate. Some people, you know, were today. I hear if you don't have the right name and the right money uh-huh. in the community, I keep hearing that. I've well, heard that quite a bit. I can assure everybody in White Oak, I don't have the money. You wanna, if they say, Well, your granddaddy saddle right had plenty of oil, you want to come look at the next oil check and you tell me if I'm getting wealthy for <laughs> MC Saddle White. I'm not. Well, you support like you have. I don't well, think all, I, I don't I, think I, all that really matters in the yeah, long run. So. You know, I'm, I, I look upon myself as an elder statesman. I'm not going to be running for nothing. I want my school to run uh, every, everything to, to go right. Um, if I see a problem, you know, if there's a coaching problem or I think something needs to be done, there's, uh, I have friends, there's friends that got with me that were on that team that was undefeated and tied halls. Whoops. Friends that were before that on that 60 team. That's how that's how far back I can reach. I can I can really you know reach yeah. if I need to. But uh, so I know you mentioned it before. You said if Cotton wouldn't have left, you you truly believe White Oak would have multiple multiple rings, state titles, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I haven't really gotten into it, but I look the saddest I am at looking at all this during my time is nineteen sixty six and sixty seven. Um, we had a coach, Bobby Williams, and what I saw, I didn't like. And um, I didn't like the fact that he had a sophomore trying to split the uh, block between Johnny Klein, who grew up right across here, Johnny Klein and Mike Warren. Both, uh, both of those fellas wound up their senior year having operations. Mm. So many people that got hurt when they were a sophomore. Jim Goss was a sophomore in uh, 60, 
seven on the 67 team, and he separated his shoulder. I mean, we had one one end. We had we had two or three that had shoulder separations, and uh, you know, and uh, it just. Uh, you had the operations, and back then when you had an operation, you were done. Uh, I know, I know, Mike Warren did, and uh, uh, Johnny Klein did, and I think Johnny Klein got to come back and play basketball. And then you had you had three or four all state. You had I know on the '67 Johnny Klein and uh, Tony Pite was a center, and uh, Mike Warren, you know, and and. Uh, we, the talent was there. I mean, those big old boys, way over 200 pounds. Jeez. And I thought, I thought 66 and 67 that we should have uh, hauled for one district in 66. And uh, they came over here and played White Oak. White Oak upset them. We didn't have nothing on the line. I think Raymond, Raymond Owens, who was Smiley Owens' his, uh, brother. He, was, he also was a tough, young, uh, he played on the uh, defensive line, but he was real small, by like Butch Drake and Bowie McMillan and some of those that I named that were uh, real small. He was real tough, one of the toughest players that uh, White Oak ever had. Anything else about Cotton? Uh, they just, you know, it was just, and, and 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 I think some of that went on for years. And you know, if you were certain, it wasn't money. If you had a certain name, or if this one, if this one, you know. So that's been going one, on a while then. Yeah. In White Oak. But the now, whole. but now all that that part is over. Yeah. You know, because all those people are gone. Yeah. That was. That did go on for a while, and anybody that wants to say it didn't, it it, it did. It, yeah. Who's one player in White that you just really enjoyed watching? Well, uh, I like to watch the McCurdy boys. Uh, Jansen. Uh, yeah, and his brother. I like to watch them. Becky taught my daughter uh, up here, and 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 she used to live around the corner from us, and. I always enjoyed. I'd see them out playing and everything, and uh, enjoyed watching, watching uh, him. And I can't think of the brother's name. Did you want to go back and talk about Jerry Davis and more? We can, uh, yeah, wherever. You uh, Jerry Davis is just a wonderful person. You talk to. Him. I've gotten to speak to and, him. Uh, Real nice guy. And uh, my daddy called him. Uh, Jerry Lujak, because uh, Johnny Lujak was at Notre Dame. I mean, he'd holler at him and give him fits and everything. And of course, he's gonna tell you when you get him on here how he got the name Kunai. I'm gonna let him. Uh, I I'm going to. Uh, uh, I want to talk about any uh, Cotton. I'm in Roy Bruce and going back up. Uh, talk, I want to talk about my coaches and then. But there's a lot of stuff I haven't said. On here because I know that we're gonna be back to it. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I want to talk about an actual game. Um, going back to um, Roy Bruce, he was like you said the other day. He was a beast and um, just wonderful, wonderful to me because um, I guess he knew my daddy liked him and Freddie Sutton told me. Couple of years before he died, that uh, Daddy would uh, was up up there and drinking, and he had a football, and he was running and laughing and hollering at Jerry, at, not Jerry, but at uh, Roy Bruce and uh, 
Freddie. Freddie was outstanding too. And then, uh, so uh, it goes on, and like I say, Cotton leaves, you know. And like, How upset was your dad when he left? Very upset, yeah. My daddy was very upset. In fact, my daddy said that uh, Blaine Catfish Smith, who was a freshman coach at Baylor and had coached at Longview a long time, because he said that he thought he was the one that got P.C. Cobb hooked up with Cotton. Uh, he told me, he says, if I'd have known that, I'd have asked him what happened when Waddy Myers came to town. Now, all the old people know Waddy Myers was the head coach at Texarkana, and Longview had a tough time with Texarkana when they were both in the same district for a long, long time. Anyway, so Cotton leaves, and, you know, Daddy's distraught, and we're all down here. We always went to the football games road with... Um, with um, Jimmy Cox, big G we called him Big Jimmy because he was a senior. He worked for Atlantic Richfield and he ended up moving to Tyler. And uh, he sent his other son, Charles, to Pine Tree because he was right up there on the hill where close to where Roy Bruce got killed. And there was a big controversy about were they in our district, you know, in the school district or not. Oh, if Roy's family was? No, no, no. Oh, oh. Cox. Oh, okay. And so Jimmy had graduated. Jimmy was a real good basketball player, too. An all-star game, and you know, and he went on, and he he lives in Austin. I still can't find him, though. Tried and tried. And uh, so anyway, uh, Roy Bruce had a big heart. He's always... When I was down at the swimming pool, he'd work as lifeguard, and he'd take care of me and everything. And then I guess it was the summer of uh, 1960. We saw him on the side of the road working on his car. Daddy pulled up and asked him, could we help him? He said, no, I know he had a screwdriver. He got it fixed and went on. And we never saw him again. And then, then all that, that happened and uh, Mr. Fred Matney, who was a big supporter of the Roughnecks, told, was talking, Roy Bruce, you couldn't go a football season if you had somebody, you know, back in that time period, didn't bring Roy Bruce's name up at a football game. And he, he got to tell and he says, yeah, Don Hunter, he ended up owning the, the uh, gas station that Fred Matney owned. Fred Matney got out and started barbecuing. He says, yeah, Don Hunter was sitting over here when that car came by. Evidently, they came back up through White Oak and came across where McDonald's is and took a left. He says he just put his his hands, his head between his hands and cried mm. because he, you know, he, had, he knew him and everybody liked him and everything. And so, uh, and then I think I told you off, when I first met you that uh, the day of the funeral, my mother was a beauty operator and she was working and my daddy came in and he says, uh, we gotta get ready to go to the funeral. And Green Bay was playing in their first NFL championship game against Philadelphia in Franklin Field. And I looked up and they snapped the ball to Max McGee. He was the punter for the Packers that year. And he just took off and he scored, he got a first down. And so I said, no, Danny, I'm, I don't stay here. I wanted to stay there and watch uh, Max Max McGee play and Daddy, Daddy wouldn't let me. Hmm. So 
I always, I've always said that day, one white oak hero was laid to rest. Another one really came to life as a star. Wow. That's... And, and it, it was sad. And I told you that uh, we were walking to the, after the, after the service at Welch, we went to Lakeview. What, Lakeview, I don't think it had been there very long. We were walking down to the gravesite, and uh, we were with the Coxes, and uh, Jerry Davis came up and said, Mr. Oliver, what are we going to do? Mm. And then uh, Jerry told me in one of my phone calls with him that he, uh, his daddy kind of eased him on up away from the from the grave after it was over. And uh, I asked Jerry, I said, well, of course, Jerry was at TCU too. I said, were you left with packing his stuff up and everything? He said, no, they were nice enough that everything was gone when I got up there semester. So they were roommates and too? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I asked Jerry about that. But they were real close. Like I told you, he was in Jerry's wedding. And uh, uh, Jerry told me that one of the coaches told him that he was probably going to start the next year at linebacker at TCU. We've talked about it, and we have a plan. We won't really discuss it, but uh, getting getting 22 retired. Yeah. Um, that jersey number definitely needs to be retired in White Oak. So. Yeah. I, I remember I told you that uh, Freddie Sutton, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he hollered at me one night. Sometimes he didn't say a word to me, but he says, "Why well, ain't doing out there wearing number 22. That's mm. supposed to be retired, isn't it? To me, and I says, I thought it was. I know you said for a while that no one wore Nobody it. Nobody wore it yeah. for, a, for a long time. I mean, they might, I don't even think that in the late, uh, I don't see any 22 on here. Yeah, and that's seventy. I yeah. don't. If they did, they started wearing it in the eighties. That's what I'm going. I'm going to think. Yeah, and I know there was someone that wore it last year, and then uh, there's been some others. But yeah, it definitely should be retired. Yeah, all-time rushing leader in White Oak. Sixty years later, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. So. And like Cotton couldn't have said it any better. Five uh, A running back or four cool. A at that time four A in a in a class A. I'm a, I remember him running. In, in 58, real good. I was a little bit younger. You know, he didn't make all state. We were, uh, I mean, I, that was cut off. No, well, I mean, we, that was that was just horrible. Mm. In other words, uh, you know, the kids got punished. You know, say what you want to. It's always, it's, you know, every time I go in to, to teach or something, it's all about the kids. The kids are the ones that, that get punished. But I tell you what, Coach Griffin made sure that we had to bring our, our, um, birth certificates up there and they kept them on file till about May 15th before we graduated. I guarantee you there wasn't no slip ups there. What else do you remember from the 70 uh, season that really stood out? Is there a certain game that you look back and that you, you know proud to be a roughneck and you know I know you're proud to be a roughneck but is there yeah. a certain game that you look back and you always remember more than any um, on that season? Lord there's about uh, there's the uh, uh, West Rush game, Spring Hill game, the ARP game, the bi-district, regional, quarterfinals, finals. There's about four or five. How bad y'all beat Spring Hill that year, do you remember? 34 to nothing. 
But I mean, was it, the rivalry as bad as it is today back then? But I want to talk about that with the boys. Yeah, we'll we'll save that for the yeah, seventy uh, episode three I podcast. To, I wanted to go back and uh, and and say one more thing about cotton. I told you that a year or so passed, and so I think when White Oak had that four five one team, Cotton was having his first good team at Woodrow Wilson, and Daddy said. Uh, it's a Friday night, he's Friday afternoon, he says, uh, let's go up and watch Cotton tonight. And so, PC Cobb Stadium is where American Airlines is now. And so, we load up and we go up there. About that time, we get up in the stands and game starts and we're on the Woodrow Wilson side and Daddy jumps up, player two happens, he says, Turn him loose, Cotton. Let him roll. Cotton turns around and has a big old grin on his face. He knew exactly he who knew it was. He knew was in the stands. And then after the game, we went down the field and we talked to him. And again, Cotton has got to be one of the luckiest coaches, you know, winning. Uh, he beat uh, Sundown on penetrations. And Jerry was talking about uh, how Phil McFarlane threw a lead block to spring Roy Bruce on a big run on that, in that game. And uh, anyway, you know, he won on penetrations there. He flipped for, for the uh, football. And uh, then he goes up here and he plays. And they're tied on penetrations. And he wins on first downs and goes on to the next round. And then, so he went to, um, he went to semifinals once. I think in 1970, no, excuse me, 69, with Woodrow Wilson, he went once with Skyline. You see, he he had two more shots, and uh, you know he, like I say, he was, you know, but you want to go on back to, uh, I, I'll I'll just talk a minute about 68. Coach Griffin was a man with a plan. I was organized. He knew what he wanted to do. And, uh, you know, he was, uh, he let his coach his coach, but he would make the final decision. He always did. And uh, I think we won 11, I think we were 11, 0, and 2. And we lost, we tied uh, Rosebud, Rosebud Lot, played them in Texarkana, and they won on penetration 6 to 5, 27 to 27. They had us down at the half, but that was a real good ball team. Vince Edmondson, uh, Kenneth Bedford, Terry Williams, Sam Hunt. Sam Hunt is another one of those that went to the NFL. He played uh, middle linebacker and he played fullback. He went to Stephen F. and into the New England Patriots. And uh, let's see, who else? Roy Berry, Billy Berry, Kevin McFarland, Ricky Woods, Joe Gentry. Jim Giles, Chuck and David Silvertooth, and uh, Bill Smith, Larry Smith, and I know I'm leaving Tim Davis. Don Heron was quarterback. He was one that played quarterback for two or three years, and uh, he was real good. And then uh, the next year, my junior year, you had seniors. You had Jim Giles, Charlie Owens, Lewis Bickett, who was my cousin. And in fact, a while ago when I told you about the guy that uh, a coach had trying to split the 
those two big boys. That was my cousin. He was a sophomore. He ended up quitting. He didn't play, and then he didn't didn't play when he was a junior, and he decided he wanted to play. So he comes out because Coach Griffin always had everybody uh, go through the off season. He played his senior year, but anyway. So Lewis, Charlie Owens, Rick Wood. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, John Griffin. He was on that other team too. He was a senior, and Chuck Silver too. Bowie McMillan, Joe Gentry. Uh, I think of pretty much. Um, got the people on that team and then uh, Bowie, Rick Wood, Jim. Uh, so that that was pretty much, there was, in other words, it was another situation where there were five or six or seven seniors. They left and then here we come, there's 12, 12 of us. And, uh, but anyway, uh, they had a good ball team. They were more of a defensive ball team. And I don't know who you'll get from that class, you know, I'll, I'll sit down on any of these ball teams and talk, yeah. you know, if any of them want me, but, you know, I'm sure they won't. Uh, so, anyway, what happened was we were playing Mark. The team we played and tied for the state champion, and it was 1969. Again, we had Winford and Joe. Again, Jim Goss got hurt his junior year, messed his knee up against uh, Paul Pewitt didn't play against Rosebud. Senior year, he messed his knee up against Paul Pewitt again. He only kicked extra points against Mark. He stood on the sidelines and kicked extra, he kicked extra points. Wow. He was hurt and with a knee. Get corrected, you you know why. So um, it rained. And Mark has all these big running backs, these big slow power backs, and it, they just fell right into it. It was a wet surface. We took a seven to nothing lead. They came back and they scored twice and beat us twelve to seven. But of course, they were thankful for a wet field because with a dry field, you would have Bowie and and um, Winford and Joe and all them running wild. And you know, in other words, it just killed our speed that night. So that was that year. And then, uh, you know, I two years later, not my senior year, but uh, the next year, uh, Barbers Hill had to come up here and play in Lo old Lobo Stadium um, because there's a rule that if you play somebody in a playoff game and they flip, and you go way down wherever they wouldn't they wouldn't come to uh, Coach Griffin try to get them to come to. Livingston, Liberty, Nacogdoches, Lufkin, they want no part of it. Well, I'm not going to come up there, so they flipped, and I think Coach Griffin said we had Kilgore, and they had uh, Deer Park Stadium. Again, that's that's for the next time, because of that, you know, I want to get, uh, you know, I'm, on a, I'm, I'm going to uh, tell y'all that uh, everybody out there would listen, Coach Bratton was in his finest moment at the halftime. I will say that. <laughs> that uh, we had two first downs and 20 yards total offense oh, at the yeah. half. I'm yeah, I'll tell you later. Yeah. So anyway, the next year they had to come up here, and I'm going to tell this uh, this story, and then uh, uh, 
the next year they came up here but it was about the middle of the year we had beat our I was coming out of a Friday class at Kilgore College and there was this girl standing there and she was in one of my other classes and I said can you she was taking a test early can you tell me about this test that we're you know we're gonna take I believe Monday or, t or Tuesday and she says yeah but I gotta hurry up my brother's coming up he's a coach he's got to come up here and scout I says who's he gonna scout and she says wide oh and I said where is he from she says Barbara's Hill and I thought golly what they got I can't started counting the the games until White Oak would play Barbers Hill, it was six or seven games. And so. They were scouting them already. They were scouting them already because they <laughs> hoped was going to be waiting on them. And, you know, and I liked to die. I think I told Coach Griffin the next week or two that they were scouting. So, and no. Uh, That's crazy. So, where was, um, where did y'all play Pflugerville out in that semifinal game? We played in Temple. We, um, they went to uh, Waco and, uh, Floyd Casey, the field had already been torn up to put in AstroTurf. Play there and they looked at some high school fields and they weren't in good shape. And Coach Griffin, I don't think he wanted to play at uh, Athens or Corsicana because we had lost the two previous years there. And of course, I'm sure he didn't want to play in Athens because the drainage was bad. You know, it's not like it is today. If it rained, we were going to be in for it again. Again, Fleurville was one of those teams that they didn't throw that much. They ran the ball and opportunistic. How was it losing? I mean, Heartbreak. We had, I think we had the better team. And then uh, Pflugerville got beat by Sonora, and they got beat bad. And of course, all we heard, well, y'all better be glad y'all didn't play Sonora. And of course, you know, I said, no. I said, we would have loved to play Sonora. And I think we were going to play at Memorial Stadium in Austin the next the next uh, Saturday afternoon, because I think that was during the time when they were working on the stadium and the lights weren't, you know, wow. you had to, if you were going to play a ball game, you had to play about one o'clock in the afternoon. Coach Griffin was was a good man, and he, I mean, if anything went wrong, he protected his players. He, you know, he tried to help them and the best he could and uh, you know and he you know if, if there's any flack he in other words he's uh, what I would try to do with with a student of mine if somebody got after him if there's something that happened he would try to take the blame I mean he, he he's a fine Christian man and he was uh, you know real good and uh, he was a good coach. He was the right coach at the right time for us, for all us boys. And then uh, Coach Atkins, uh, uh, Coach Atkins was wonderful, and uh, we had him in health. And uh, the boys took it from him the first semester. The girls took it from Miss Atkins the second semester. And Coach Atkins uh, got us in there, and he said, "Now, boys." He says, I know y'all were in the ninth grade when we had a little demonstration up here at the school. We had some three seniors when I was a freshman. Got down below the tennis court and started drinking about three o'clock in the morning. And then they went up to take their health test. They were gonna graduate. 
and uh, <laughs> up and asked him a question, and he went back and sat back down, and then another one came up, and he goes, and he started calling them back, and I'm not going to call their names, because they live here, and so he had three of them, taking them going down the hall to the principal's office, and he says, these boys have been drunk, threw them in there, and so the principal carried them over to the superintendent's office, and one of them threw up. The superintendent said, get them out, get them wow. out. And uh, they graduated. I guess they thought we better get them on down the road. And uh, But anyway, uh, that was, uh, you know, he, he loved to talk about that. And uh, he'd talk about uh, different stuff and uh, everything. And I'll have a story about him next Got a story about Coach Griffin next time. Hello, Jamie. That's my daughter. What you doing? Huh? What you doing, honey? I'm driving home. You know what? I'm doing the podcast right now. Sorry. That... You just should have answered. Okay. No, no. Okay. Hey, are y'all coming down Friday with that? Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, tell, tell, uh, tell Sanders that the... Uh, uh, house at the Tooth Fairy. Uh, I'll get in touch with the White Oak Tooth Fairy, and I'll have his money when when he gets here Friday. Okay. <laughs> okay. I thought you'd say you think I was funny that he wrote the letter. He said I'll still take the money. Well, I hey, I'll call you in a little bit. I love you. Okay. All right, love you too. Oh, this is uh, is a tape running. This is a funny story about that. When they got started to get married, he's from Baytown. Okay. See, we played Barbers Hill in Deer Park, right by Baytown. And I said, we done, I done had this, made this trip once. And I'm not going back down to Baytown for a big ball game wedding. I said, we'll meet him halfway. They got married in Nacogdoches. <laughs> so anyway, and they lived in um, one of those little cities outside of Tyler. She worked in Jacksonville. Then they moved to, um, I can't think of the name of the town. But you go to Bucky's and take a left and go 15 miles. Crandall. Okay. And then they're, they're in Melissa now. Now she, uh, uh, she'd live down here if she could make as much money teaching. She uh, uh, does dyslexia. She's in the elementary. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, now what was we talking about? Coach Griffin. Coach Griffin. Yes, uh, sir. And then I said something about Coach Atkins. You know, I just, and then... Uh, I've done talked about Coach Bratton, and I talked about Jimmy Johns and uh, Mike Crossley. So you want to talk about any other stories? I was in playing defense against Barbers Hill, and evidently we stopped them. And uh, three or four years before, we had a boy when I was a freshman. It's always when I was a freshman. Anyway, this boy uh, got knocked out three or four times, and. Uh, had to be helped off the field. So I got out there and I'm just gonna tell it like it is. I got kicked in the balls. I'm laying out there and the first thing that flashed in my mind, boy, and I got up and I started coming off the sideline and and so I got over there and Coach Atkins was talking to me, praising me and you know and everything. And then he says, What's the matter? Did he Kick you in the family jewels, and then he slammed me down. It was an iron, iron uh, uh, 
Bing. And I, I thought, oh no, here we go again. And uh, he didn't know, realize what he was doing. Uh, Coach Atkins, when I got up and came off, I was thinking about that boy three or four years ago, and he just busted out with a big <laughs> grin. And of course, again, Coach Coach Griffin and Coach uh, Bratton, they didn't know. You know, they weren't there. They weren't coaches there at that time. It was this other guy I talked, I mentioned. I guess we'll save a lot of the, you want to save a lot of the stories. I want to save a lot with of the, the teammates Because we are going to do episode three with the 1970 team, uh, like we mentioned earlier. So that's going to be really exciting. And then from there, um, hopefully the studio will be finished so we can get everything rolling. So I have about 30 to 40 people lined up right now, but I wanted to get you in here. Hard enough that if he played somebody like Arp and he wanted to ball control, we'd jump in the wishbone. I mean, that was the. the yeah, I bet, if, I bet if Barber was playing in today's time, he'd be he'd, he'd probably pass for a, way more yards than what he did for in his career. So. Yeah, well, see, we didn't, you know, we might pass 10, 15 times a game. Yeah. We didn't have to because we. We had end arounds and cruise arounds and tight yeah. end uh, double traps and all kind. And, and another thing about Coach Griffin, uh, if you were out, uh, if you were in the game and you came out, and uh, when, like when we were playing Paul Pewitt, I told him, I says, uh, I can gap block that, that boy all night. And I'll tell a little bit about the boy that I was blocking. He says, I can hit him. I, I coach, I can knock him back down toward the center. So he sent me in there with a gap play and he handed to Winford on about the three yard line. Winford walked into the you know, Yeah, He listened to people. He was a smart man and a, and a, and a good coach. Really enjoyed our time. We'll have I a have lot. Too. We'll have a lot more for you guys. Episode three, uh, and uh, sit down and really get some stories out so y'all can uh, hear their side and how it was for them with their time in White Oak. So, um, any last words for us, Mr. Oliver, before we uh, shut this episode two out? No, uh, well, I just, I think that my senior year, we got to renew the rivalry with Hallsville. Uh-huh. Even, and I didn't tell the fact that uh, Hallsville brought their band to the scrimmage, and that stirred it up a little bit more. <laughs> and I blocked one of them, and Coach Bratton, uh, the coaches were on the field of the scrimmage. He says, get up, get up, get up, get somebody else. And then uh, that, and uh, so the next night, Coach Griffin, we're having a kickoff supper, and he walks up. He says, I didn't know I was getting into a hornet's nest when I went over there. I said, well, Coach, we've been we've been at them for a long time. And seeing it had been, we had beat them when we were freshmen, saying we hadn't seen them for three years. It just all, it all started. And then we went down to West Rusk, and uh, uh, I've got a good Bobby Hawthorne story to start that ball game off. Good deal. It didn't have nothing to do with playing the game. Ah, a little bit of drama he, before. He was a sports editor for the Gager. I, I'll just say that he wrote a wrote something that came back to home. I can't wait for that story. So, looking forward to it, um, James. It's been okay. a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Yes, sir. And uh, we'll wrap this one up. Episode two, Repetitions Podcast.